Dude, we were just on your yacht yesterday. Yeah. What does bonus round mean to you? That's your your beautiful yacht that we were on, coincidentally. Yeah. Um, I saw the lion symbol and we're like, yo, this is Eric's yacht. And uh, I want you to shed some light on like, what does bonus round mean to you? Bonus round, man, I came up with that shortly after I got sober. You know, I, um, I got addicted to Oxycontin, which turned into heroin addiction at a very young age. And so, you know, by the time I was 15 years old, I was a full-blown drug addict, dropped out of high school and, and ripping and running on the streets. And for the next seven years, um, you know, I had a lot of near-death experiences, five overdoses, been stabbed a couple times, um, wrecked fucking more cars than I can think of, been shot at, you know, the list goes on. And so when I got sober, and from from 15 till almost 22, when that happened, um, that entire time, I, I had this full belief that I was never going to live past 21. Mm. Like I was like on this kamikaze mission that just ended in more than likely death and if not death, jail. And I was like totally accepted of it. And so then when I got sober, life started to get good. And I started to gain uh, a hope and a belief that like, maybe I can do life. Maybe I can live a normal life. Maybe I can be successful. And so it just kind of came into focus that like, God, this is like the bonus round, bro. Like, you know what I mean? And so bonus round for me really means gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you're on, think about it like this, bro. If you, if you got a, a terminal diagnosis that something's supposed to kill you, like the doctor looks at you and says, you're going to die. And then you beat it. You're supposed to be dead and then you get on the other side of that and you won, how can you have a fucking bad day? Mm. No matter what happens in life, it's like, I'm still winning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still here. <laughs> where, where was that, that moment that was like, we are winning? Where was that, that point of gratitude coming in and, yo, I am winning, I can live a good life, I can be grateful, I can make a lot of money, I can be successful. Was there like a specific story, a moment, a business deal, an investment deal? Nah, it, I, it, it's it's a lot simpler than that for me, bro. I was 22 years old, I think, and I and I got my first apartment, which was $550 a month. And, um, and I wasn't homeless anymore. Mm. I had a place that I had a key to. And, and, uh, and, and I had, and, and, you know, when I first got that place, I didn't have any heat. I didn't have any furniture and a pile of blankets. And when the landlord showed me the apartment, which was in like the hood, there's this old busted couch. And, um, and he was like, you know, we'll get this out of here for you. And I was like, no, 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 I'll take care of it. Yeah. And so that was my couch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I, when I set up shop there and I was in, getting into recovery, that's when I really started to get that hope and belief. And then everything since then has just been surreal. You know what I mean? Like you talk about business deals and investments, you know, it was a long process. I've been at this a long time. And so, I, I, but, but the attitude and the feeling started then. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's all about perspective. Yeah, one thing you said I, I think is incredible is you got your own place and the irony behind like your logo and your symbol and your businesses is the lion, right? I believe that every lion needs their own den. Every lion needs no a doubt. home, a place that they can go back to and like recenter themselves. And it's all about like environment, right? People, yeah. places, things. And so a reason why I wear, uh, you know, like jewelry necklace with like a lion is lions are the king of the jungle, right? And people don't realize that 
lions usually sleep like 20 hours a day, but they get I actually up. didn't know that. Fun fact for you. That's it. So where I'm going with this is lions sleep upwards of, you can fact check this, uh, 20 hours a day, they get a lot done in four hours. Yeah. Right? And this is a huge assumption, so I could be totally wrong, but like watching you over the, the year or so, finding you on social media, uh, you know, with my business partner, Jeff, number one, you're definitely a lion. Like you're very disciplined, dude, 5 a.m. Sometimes your stories on IG, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I feel shame and guilt because I'm like, <laughs> this dude's getting after it. Let's go. But my question to you is, I think to go from good to great, you have to be that lion, not the 5 a.m., not the I'm grinding 12, 14 hours a day. I think most of the time it's the opposite. How can Eric spend four hours on a Saturday to get a lot done? For me, it's both. I mean, my ambition and my hunger is are probably my greatest assets. And so, you know, I talk about it all the time. I'm like, I've, I've acquired a fair amount of stuff, you know, like I'm at a place in life that if I want to let off the throttle and, and not do a lot for a long time, I could do that. Um, I move very effectively. I'm very effective with my time and my effort and my energies, um, but I also don't stop. And so it's, for me, it's, it's, I wouldn't know, like I wouldn't know what to do sleeping 20 hours a day. Like yeah. all I know how to do is hunt and kill. You know, and so I, I just I'm up after it early in the morning, like you said, 5 a.m. Yeah. And um, and, you know, I don't stop. And so that's with the exception of prioritizing things that are important, like family and children and friends. And, yeah. you know, like I have a good quality of life and I, I certainly have ultimate authority over how I spend my time and what I do with it. Mm-hmm. I just love the sport. And so that's what I do. Absolutely. And. We were at an event the last couple of days around, you know, super high performing entrepreneurs and hedge fund managers. And one thing I noticed, like a reoccurring theme was a lot of them were saying, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know, is, well, at two o'clock, I stopped working. I'm going to spend time with my kids, my family. But essentially what you're saying, or at least how I'm taking it is you just build a lifestyle that it's just on 24, 7, 365. And, and that's where I couldn't, I guess, relate to. I don't think that we are necessarily right or wrong. It's just more of like, yo, you're still working when you're a parent. I'm not, I don't have kids, but like, I think that's where people kind of go wrong, right? Is like, when you're getting started, you got to put in the time. Like you got to try a lot of different things. It's the after hours, after 5 p.m. on the weekends, you just got to put in the work in and out. But I think the big issue that I'm recognizing going from like good to great, what's good? I mean, seven, eight figure entrepreneur to like, nine like true true generational wealth it just i think comes back to that lifestyle so is that something that you've done in like your life is you just life by design the moment my eyes up eyes closed this is what i want to do and it's always growing the business i'm ultra competitive and most of that is competitive with myself right it's 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 very it's mostly me versus me but the way I think of it is really like this, this championship mindset, right? Like, um, I forget the language you used, but you talked about being, going, from, going from good to great, mm-hmm. right? Well, what's greatness? 
Greatness is champions. It's and so how do you win World Series? How do you win the UFC title? How do you win you know the championship in boxing? How do you become great? How do you become a champion? And when you when I've looked at them and I've studied them, everyone has the same thing in common. They love the process. They love the sport. It's not about the result. It's about the journey, and they're obsessed with it. Like, do you think Conor McGregor, when he was at the top of his game, was like letting off the throttle because he had all this money and this whiskey brand and, and you know, he was the, the double champ or the champ champ or whatever the fuck he said? Do you know what I mean? No, that motherfucker was up earlier than everyone. Yes. He's outworking everybody. Yeah. And so for the time being, right now, for me in this season of life, that which maybe that changes over time, I don't know, not there yet, but that's kind of where I'm at, where it's like, I will fucking bury you. If you try to keep up with me, you're gonna have to be a marathon runner and an ultra athlete in this business shit because I, I promise you I will run you out of gas. Mm. And if you keep up, all the respect in the world, but I'm five in the morning till 11 p.m., seven days a week, 365. With the exception of, like you said, you know, kind of hard boundaries around my kids and uh, and my family. And so that stuff I'm very disciplined with as well. Like you talk to my team. You got kids? I have two kids. Yeah, I have two boys. What the fuck? I didn't know that. I keep them off social. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Being, No, that's being, dope, dude. Yeah, being on social is uh, is my choice, not theirs. And so yeah, I keep yeah. them private, right? But, you know, you ask my team, I'll look at them at any time and be like, yeah, I'm done. You know, I'm going to hang out with my kids. Mm. And there's always more that can drag you in and drag you in. And, and so... You know, I'm pretty good and disciplined with making the time around that for my boys. But yeah, like other than that, I'm after it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, be careful, bro. I'm a fucking ultra marathon endurance. That's fucking. Let's I go. hope I see you at the Let's finish line, dog. Go, you know? Let's like, fucking go. And so, you know, it, it just this mindset. People and and I think it's about self awareness. Like, dude, if you want to make enough money to have a dope spot and a dope car and fucking. And a good looking chick and fucking be at the beach by one o'clock in the afternoon. And that's your fucking thing, bro. You like to play volleyball and drink fruity drinks down by the fucking ocean. Like fucking God bless. Like, cool. It's not mine. You know what I mean? Like I wake up every day and I just feel broken hungry. And, and dude, I sold my business for fucking nine figures and woke up the next morning and felt broken hungry. And like, I just don't. I just think that's in my DNA and it's an asset and a liability, I guess, in time. Yeah, absolutely. What what will make you not feel broken hungry? Nothing. You know, it's it's if if I still feel broken hungry at this point, mm-hmm. brother, it's a lifelong condition. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Do you think that has anything to do with one one thing I've noticed about people that have you know, previous, you know, issues with drugs, addictions is that potentially changes into like to work, right? A hundred percent, bro. I have addictive personality fucking through and through with anything that I do. Mm -hmm. I think there's a couple factors that are related to, to addiction, at least for me, and maybe people can relate to this, is one, I have an addictive personality, so I'm gonna be doing something addictive. Like that, you know, if it's work, if it's the gym, if it's a healthy lifestyle, fucking the crime rate and the rest of society should be grateful that that's what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was hell on wheels back in the day. But, you know, outside of that, I think there's it's some core component when you go through the trauma of a lot of that, when you're an addict that's kind of on the streets, 
you know, addiction affects all different social classes. For me, I know what it's like to fucking sleep outside and fucking go without food. Yeah. Like I know what it looks to, to to fucking steal fucking slim fast shakes from fucking 7-Eleven because I got hunger pains. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so when you hit that and you're that hungry and you've been there, I just don't know that it leaves you. Like, at least for me, like I just I don't know. And so now it's 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 really just about the process and and the day to day. And that's where I find a lot of my satisfaction. Yeah, that stuff like burns into your DNA, right? Which, like you said, it's it's good and bad. I think it's way better that someone is saying you have an addictive personality by working too much. It's like, well, you could be addicted to donuts and heroin, right? So I think you have to be a little careful because you'll get people that will project onto you, right? Like, yo, Eric, you had a nine-figure exit. Like, why, why are you continuing to do all this, right? And again, just sitting with you right here, I can kind of feel that energy off of you of like, it's not bad or good. It's just what I want to do. I think a lot of people get lost in that that process. I want to come back, if you don't mind, on the kiddos. Great job keeping them off social media. Appreciate uh, it. That's definitely not easy and much respect. But over 70% of generational wealth returns back to poverty in the second generation. Mm-hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with what we just talked about. Not setting up a trust, not having assets or a business for them or a bunch of cash. Mm -hmm. I think it comes back to what I refer to as like a peasant victim mentality, right? It's that generational trauma. It's the DNA that's in them. I'm not a scientist, man. So again, fact check me here, but you can see how your addictive personality may be passed on to them, right? Or that relentless work ethic but how are you ensuring or what are you doing to do your best to ensure that your kids don't have this generational wealth passed on to them and that returns back to poverty and or yeah. their kids? You know, I think that when you're, when you're first generation new money, the, one of the first things that you go through is, is adjusting to wealth yourself. Mm-hmm. Nobody prepares you for that, mm-hmm. right? Like there's no, and it's actually not a, you don't hear people talk about what it's like to adjust to becoming a high net worth individual. For me, there was a, uh, it was a lot to get acclimated to. Mm-hmm. And then in that process was, all right, well, you know, I'm not affecting myself, just myself by this, I'm affecting my entire family and my children. And so, and I've, I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about this. And so some of the stuff that I've done for my sons, I have an older one and a younger one is that in their trust, there's stipulations that, you know, at a certain age, at certain ages when they get there, they get access to more things, but then there's rules in there. Um, and if they don't abide by the rules of the trust, they get nothing. Mm. I will let them starve and the trust will skip a generation to their children. And if their children follow the rules, then they'll have benefit and access. If they don't, fuck them, goes to the next one. <laughs> Like, it just is what it is. Some of that stuff is they must be in full-time school or gainfully employed 40 hours a week. We don't do lazy around here. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care how much money we have. I didn't work my fucking face off for you to sit around and smoke weed out of a bong playing video games like some rich kid's little prick son. It ain't happening. What if it's it's on, what if it's on Twitch, bro? They could be getting views and money. Come on, bro. That's passive income. But (laughs) then 
then go make it big on Twitch and your kids will get my money. You know what I mean? And then the, one of the other ones is, is drug testing and making sure they're substance free uh, and all of that. And so that's, you know, but those things are after I'm dead. And so I can have some controls from the grave after I'm gone, which hopefully is a long time from now. The stuff that I'm doing today, my older one is 11 years old. My younger one's too young for any of this. I have him in not only in his, he's in a private school, but he's got um, he's in my own formal program that I built for him. And so some of that stuff includes responsibilities around the house. It's, it sounds crazy, bro, but it's easy when you become, you know, a, a person of meat. You have house cleaners and fucking assistants, and you just have all these people around you all the time. It's easy to have your kids' laundry done and room cleaned and not work. No, 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 dog. You clean that. You make your bed. And you know what I mean? Like, you mow the lawn. You know, that type of stuff. And then, um, and then the other thing that I do is it's a lot of how I talk to him about money. Like, he, I, I'm very clear with him. We are not rich. We sounds like a lot of fucking people. I'm rich. You don't have shit. You're 11 years old and broke. Like you got like $180 in savings. Like that's what you got. From right? the housekeeper's change. Yeah, no, but I make them earn it. And then another thing is that I don't I don't um, just go out and buy him, you know, extravagant things and everything he wants and, and blah, blah, blah. And so he's got a list of things that are disciplined. One of the main features of that is that I teach him a business lesson every single day. And so most days I find something off of YouTube. Uh, a lot of it's from my friends, you know, other business influencers, entrepreneurship influencers, um, or we do other things as well. But I'll have them, for example, watch uh, a video on real estate from Grant Cardone, or I'll have them watch a video on success and winning from Andy Frisella, or I'll have them watch some Gary Vaynerchuk stuff or whatever it is. And or some Tyler Bassetti stuff. Soon, yeah, now I'll add it to the list. And, um, or very, the other thing that I do is very specific, you know, what is an LLC? Explain taxes, like all these different things. And then I have him, he writes a paper and writes out three questions every single day. And then we go through his essay that he wrote and we answer and talk about his three questions. And so in that, like my 11 year old kid's a fucking business killer. He knows more about business already at 11 years old than most adults. What do you think he's best at so far? In business? Mm -hmm. um, I, it's young to tell. I mean, he's got the bug. Everything he looks at is like, well, I could do this and I could sell that and I could do this. And Is he like a numbers guy though? Like he might be like- He's good at math. Okay. Yeah. Is he good with Pete? Like, I guess the question is- He's social. Yeah. He's very personable. Okay. Very, very personal. So you yeah. Can... He has zero, you know, since he was, his entire life, he's had zero social anxiety with adults. Mm -hmm. Like you'll bring him anywhere and he's like just talking to these random people over there and you're like, what are you doing? Get over here. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. stop talking to those people. You don't know them. Yeah, he probably saw that from you, right? Like, a, yeah. oh, the kid's shy. Usually it's like, no, the parent's shy and insecure. Like, yeah. you're clearly an open book and you've yeah. been through the ringer. So that's why I love a podcast, dude. It's like, that's why I like just just talking and totally. what do you want to talk about? What do you not want to talk about? Right. And I think that's a problem, at least with like social media and especially with an 11 year old and the next generation is things calculated are good but also i think the free flow man i i think nothing beats the free flow 
Yeah. Right. And that's one thing I really admire about you, dude, is you're real, you're authentic. And, uh, and I want to know how does a guy like myself that is doing very well, uh, help a guy like you? Cause you're, you're a very, most successful entrepreneurs are, I got this, the world's on my back. Right. But is there anything I can do personally to help you out? I don't, I appreciate that. And I actually get asked that question kind of frequently, uh, at least lately I have. And the answer is no, not really. Mm. I have, I got everything I need. Yeah. You know, I, I think for, for entrepreneurs or people of success, you know, one of the biggest things that they want from people is authenticity. And so, you know, immediate reaction is like, nah, man, just be you, be real, be my friend. That's all yeah. I need. You know what I mean? Relationships, but when you have, money and wealth and assets and like, like did I have anything that I fucking want I own? It, it becomes the relationships become the commodity, you know? Absolutely. And I brought that up for that kind of exact reason. I had an assumption uh, leading into that question is, how do you help a guy like Eric? You probably fucking don't, <laughs> yeah. you know? You yeah. just, let's just be boys. Yeah, right? 100%. But the reason why I bring that up is the past that you had, it seems like you have an extremely high level of emotional intelligence. You just get people. Yeah. Because you've stolen from a store, you've done drugs in a fucking closet, you've almost died 37 trillion times. Some people have never have seen that. I've seen that, right, in my household. And, and that helped tremendously, like understanding cues of a person. When Tyler asked me, how can I help him? Does he really want to help me or does he want something from me? So have those experiences helped you see through the bullshit of people and make business decisions and understand people's overall, uh, you know, keep your head on a swivel? I think what set me up for, for a lot of that is, you know, heroin addiction broke me. And so when I got sober, uh, back in 2006, I was a broken dude, right? And I got into a process of recovery, which I'm still in, and I've been in every day since then. Mm -hmm. And through that, I, I, I started doing the work and I've done the work every day to get to know myself. And so when you get to know yourself and the inner workings of you inside and out, good and bad, the light and the shadows, all of it, and you, you go deep on those things, you can see it in other people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think by getting to know myself and doing, doing extensive, you know, personal development work, spiritual work, recovery work, um, and all of these types of things that it gave me an ability to, to understand the human condition. And nobody walks planet earth as a human being without suffering from the human condition. And so, you know, you, you understand that, you understand that. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about the spiritual side. Uh, what do you do for spirituality? I'm a big fan of uh, going like in the jungle. I work with plant medicine and ayahuasca and some psychedelics. Uh, big fan of doing like biohacking stuff as well, yeah. right? Different breath work, um, doing sauna, cold plunges. You might, you know, see some stuff that I do on a, a pretty consistent basis. That's helped me understand myself way more, like you said, to help you know understand other people. But what does spirituality, what are some things that you do on 
and your lifestyle? Mine, I mean, dude, I, I dig a lot of that stuff. The the um, the plant medicine stuff, I've stayed away from just because it's a mind altering substance. And and I know some people in recovery from addiction uh, are a fan of it. For me, it just bugs me out a little bit. Um, my my spiritual work, which I am a fan of it for other people. I've seen great results. Generally, I don't hate on it at all. You, um, you don't mind like psych? Do you mind psychedelics for? I guess someone's situation, maybe like, oh, worked for you, cool. No, I don't mind it at all. Like, I don't, just like, I don't really care if anyone drinks. Like, it's, you know, yeah. this is me, bro. Like, you know what I mean? And so people get that, that wire crossed. Like, bro, I'm a hardcore drug addict. Like, I don't drink because I'll be shooting heroin and cocaine and robbing people for fun. You know what I mean? Like, within days. <laughs> That's why I don't do that. But, you know, I, I really, I want to just not to fucking stroke you over here, but like, that's what I, I like a lot about you. From day one when I met you in Greece in person, oh, yeah, yeah. it's like, I fucking can't stand people that are like, I'm a recovering addict and what do you need the plant medicine for? Like a couple of drinks, like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Just cause you drank yourself into a hopeless condition yeah. doesn't mean I have, yeah. you know? Okay. Yeah, I, dude, I'm totally open. Like I don't, even like Hakuna Matata, bro. You know what I mean? Like, what is it you want out of life? You want to go trip your balls off in the jungle? Like fucking, you happy? Is it work for you? Yeah, yeah cool. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, yeah. it's your life. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I, I think I think two things to take into equation in that is one, is it what you want to do and are you really happy doing it? And two, how does it affect the people in your life? Because everything we do affects somebody. And so, you know, if, if, if you're good with it and it, and it, you know, it quenches your soul and, and, you know, it aligns with your morals and your values and your code of conduct and all of that, check, cool. Does it hurt anyone? No, great, whatever. But to answer your question about spirituality, bro, I, I'm just a prayer and meditation. I'm the basics. I'm the, I'm the chop wood, carry water guy for a long period of time. You know what I mean? And, and it's consistency and it's discipline. I pray and I meditate every morning and I've done that for more than 16 years. And so it's a journey and I have a relationship with prayer and my prayer life and our relationship with meditation. And, and um, you know, of course, I think, I think spirituality is also directly tied to our actions and how we live our life. And so, you know, like spiritual principles, people talk about spiritual principles. And so it's prayer and it's meditation. But then in the recovery world, they talk about, you know, living by spiritual principles. Well, what does that mean? Like people throw that around. What's a principle? It's a code of conduct. Mm -hmm. And so, so I live my life based upon a code of conduct, a rule book that's spiritual in nature. Try not to hurt other people. Be honest and kind. You know what I mean? Have integrity. My word is my bond. Mm -hmm. Those types of things. And because you've done the complete opposite. Yeah. You can see how quickly if yeah. an employee, maybe a partner in an investment or something, you can you can see through it. Yeah. Easier. One of my favorite sayings is actually by Abraham Lincoln. And he says, when I do good, I feel good. When I do bad, I feel bad. That is my religion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's really action-based. It's like you can do all the stuff you want, go to church, read the Bible, whatever, but how you're living matters more than most. Absolutely. And it's like that frequency state, right? Like joking earlier about when I see your 514 time on the story, 
it's depending on how I view that, right? And I think that's where people get a little caught up is you are immediately potentially starting out your day in shame and guilt. Because I woke up at 6.14, not 5.14. But it's, I'm not doing anything bad. This is just a lifestyle. This is yeah. what I want. It's a little bit different than Eric, a little bit different than John Smith, whoever it is. So how do you get people in your mastermind programs, whether they're beginner, just really kind of try to figure yeah. things out, or they're trying to go from good to great? I believe it starts there. It, and it's a question we have to keep asking ourselves. What do you want? And who are you? And are those aligned? Because yeah. sometimes people not, they don't know what they want because they don't know who they are. Right? Yeah, a lot of people come to me, you know, I have two two different levels of, of coaching that I do. I have um, a, an entry level, which is called Premier Blueprint. Those are the people you're talking about with that, which is a lot of them are out of alignment. And so it's a lot of work that we do. One, we have to create a vision for all areas of life. What is your vision personally for your code of conduct and how you're living? What is your vision for your financial life, your professional life, your physical fitness, your diet? Like, what are the, when you think about you, what's the standard that, that you wish you lived up to? When you look in the mirror, you're like, fuck, every single day, you're like, fuck, I wish I had a six pack or fuck, I wish I, you know, looked like this or, you know, you're eating garbage food in your head, shaming yourself, like, why am I doing, like, God, I shouldn't be eating this shit. You know what I mean? Like, how do you stop that? Like, how do you like? By taking action, mental toughness, discipline, do it anyway, fuck how you feel, right? Do hard things. Do hard things, yeah. One of my best friends, that's kind of his phrase is like, do hard things, right? Like, there's no way around it right yeah well and the misconception is is like you know people have this weird operating system addiction is very much like this but it affects all people whereas they think that what feels good is good and what feels bad is bad and when you look at that and break that down it's like heroin felt great it's fucking terrible there's no better feeling for me in the world than being on some heroin love it can never do it again it feels wonderful though, almost killed me, destroyed my life and, and almost killed everyone around me with the amount of stress and trouble that I put them through. Diet, a restrictive diet, um, counting macros, staying sober, feeling your feelings and working through that stuff without a crutch, exercise, getting after it, tearing your muscles so they'll rebuild and you'll be stronger. All of these things don't necessarily feel good they're not comforting, but they're great for you, right? And here's the funny thing is it's the aftermath of both. Heroin felt great while I was doing it, but God, try coming off of it. Working out, eating right, living by principles and, and, you know, and really uh, adhering to, to this type of lifestyle is hard. It's doing hard things, but the aftermath and the result is easy, makes life easy. You know, life life on heroin and eating shitty food and, and cutting the shortcuts feels good, but creates a hard life. Life doing hard things creates an easy life. So that's what you're, and I'm sure even with like high level people, right, that are doing seven, eight, nine figures, whatever, you're still probably revisiting those principles, right? I think- I teach that, that's all people. You know what's funny? Sometimes it's like the eight figure and the nine figure guys, then it's more so. 
and they're more challenging to work with. At least the five-figure cat that's broke and having a hard time paying rent, like knows his life's fucked up. You know what I mean? A lot of times people can hide behind success. And so I work with that from a personal development standpoint across all of them. The difference in my other program, Inner Circle, is these are people that have already found some level of success. They own a business, they have a high-level job, they're a professional, they're a business person. And we're also working with them with tactical business stuff on that and taking them to the next level. Yeah, I love what you said about the feeling. That's incredible because one, it's like just because it feels good doesn't mean that it is good, right? And that that exemplifies something I obviously very passionate about what I do is invest, right? I view myself as an entrepreneur and an investor, investing my time with you right now. This is an investment, right? Yeah, it doesn't feel good to have to move things around on the calendar, this and that, but this is gonna pay dividends long-term. Whereas most things that are not so fun at the beginning, which by the way, talking to you is fun, this is great. It's just what we have to sacrifice to be sitting right here, right? Totally. I I can't be out on the yacht right now, this or that, but it pays long-term. That said, being adaptable, right? In those investment decisions and being adaptable to like what you want as well. I think that's what Jeff and I are experiencing right now in our businesses is what got us here is likely not what's going to take us over there Mm -hmm. to that good to great. And so obviously we've done, I think, a great job of adapting, going from teaching financial literacy, credit, getting people funding, different programs and events to, you know, niching down in some areas, navigating the crypto chaos and all that, right? But what is usually the most common thing that you see in your inner circle that holds people back? Is it the how or is it the who? Do they need to just double down in some relationships? Do they need to automate, delegate? A lot of the people that, for whatever reason, find themselves in inner circle are entrepreneurs that have built businesses, but they get to this 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 breaking point, this bottleneck where they don't know how to get out of their own way, that they become the restrictive piece of the business. And so helping them, you know, break through that and take it to the next level, um, that's a lot of, of the situations that we have in that. And so we have people doing, you know, seven figure revenue, low, mid and high eight figure revenue, and we're helping them at all levels. And so, you know, whatever that looks like in their situation, we're helping them unlock business growth and strategy and get out of the way. And a lot of them don't have control. Here's the funny thing. People get this misconstrued. They see that I work nonstop. They say, I'm up at five and I'm still going at night and, you know, and I, blah, blah, blah. I do that because I want to, not because I have to. And there's a big difference. A lot of the entrepreneurs that are in my group, they have to. They, they, they show up a total fucking slave and they're like, I can't, I have to keep swimming or I'm going to drown. Like, I don't know yeah. what to do. And they don't have systems. They don't have process. They don't have the right people. They don't have the right leadership team. They don't have the, the keys in place to one, get some of their life back. And then also, once we do that, simultaneously position the company for a scale. And then I work with a lot of them on their exit strategy as well on a lot of them come because they heard, oh, I sold my business for nine figures and it gets their attention because they're like, I want to sell my business, but I don't know shit about that. 
And so I get a lot of those cats as well. Yeah, that's that's uh, one thing I wanted to chat about as well is, do you think every business should be built to sell? I think every business needs an exit plan. Mm-hmm. I think a healthy business has an exit plan. Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's like an investment. I think, but 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 alternatively from that, I think you should build it also like you're going to own it forever. And so there's a balance. I think that if you're building it for, I see a lot of people try to build businesses specifically to get to a certain point to sell it, you know, for a liquidity event to make money. And I don't know, I think there's something said about the quality and the sturdiness of that business. And, um, and I, I've seen that produce shortcomings. And so... Um, but I do believe every business needs to to have a plan on how to exit. Absolutely. One thing that kind of comes to my mind when I think of like an exit on a business is we're both real estate, you know, developers and investors is, yo, if there's not multiple exits on a real estate deal, it's probably a bad deal. Yeah, it's no probably doubt. not an investment in reality, right? And so if someone else doesn't want this real estate property, yeah. why should I want it? If someone else doesn't want to buy my business, why should I want it? So what are some tactics that uh, you look, that you share and or things, red flags that you might be able to see in someone's business where you're like, there's no way you're going to get the highest EBITDA on the sale, or there's no way you're going to be able to even sell this. Uh, Is it you need to have a CEO in place, a CFO in place? I'm sure every business is different, but I think a, I think a business is, and obviously it's more complicated than this, but I think of them in kind of three different phases. You know, when you're an entrepreneur and you start something, it, oftentimes we're a team of one, right? We do everything. We're answering the phones, we're doing the house cleaning, we're, I mean, literally A to Z, we do everything. And then we move into this second phase where we're building, we're bringing, you know, we're hiring employees, we have a team, revenue is growing, it's kind of this high growth phase, but we are the nucleus, we are the center of the business, everything runs into us. These businesses are primed for taking an investment, but not an exit, Okay. right? Because everything depends on you. If, if, if all of this business is is lining right up to you and every department is your direct report and you are in the center of the company and if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, they'd be in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. How sturdy does that look for an outside investor to come in? And so they, you know, a lot of them do these deals from a minority or majority standpoint and come in, private equity will purchase a piece of your company and back you and no matter what they tell you during your management meetings you better believe the second that deal closes they're figuring out what they're going to do if you get hit by a bus or they need to take you out themselves and so but you're still not going to have a hundred percent exit making the transition i started here i moved through this and then i made it to to the third phase and that's when i had a full sale is building systems processes kpis measurements reports leadership team and putting all these things in place and taking it, you're removing yourself from the business. And so you look at that, like I stepped down as CEO, trained everyone around me, trained my number two to be number one, stepped out to executive chairman. And by the time the business sold and I sold 100% of it, I hadn't even been in the office building. I hadn't been to the business in 10 months, almost a year. And so it was running and growing in my absence without my involvement. 
how did you learn this? Like, who were some of your mentors? And I had great mentors. And so I, I had guys that no one I could drop names, but no one would even know who they are. They don't have Instagram. They don't have Facebook. They're not, you know, they're just like older, you know, 50s and 60 year old, yeah. you know, cats that have been building businesses, selling businesses and just in that space for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went out and started seeking mentorship and guidance from people before that was ever cool. You know what I mean? Like all of this is very new masterminds and coaching and mentors and mentorship and, and this becoming like popular on social media. It's a newer phenomenon. I mean, I had mentors, you know, so long ago, I didn't even have a MySpace account, like pre Facebook. I was sitting down having coffee, doing one-to-one -one stuff, learning from, from guys 20, 30 years older than me and taking it in. And so I think the key there now it's different where you can have direct access to me, guys like me, you, whatever, um, through paid mentorship programs because people have monetized it. Um, and so that's available for everyone. And then secondly, what I did was just asked. I went to older guys that, you know, I think Instagram and social media ruins a lot of things uh, at times for people. And but I went to guys that were happy to spend the time with me. You know, they just, and they had plenty of money and they were just happy to drink coffee and talk. Yeah. And so I did a lot of that. Yeah. And you might be seeing some of that now, right? It's just like, how can I help you? Probably fucking can't other than just being like a friend, right? Yeah, Maybe so. one day you might need something, but that is something that I've, I've uh, said on another show or one of the other guests that I can't remember is go, go talk to the old man at the coffee shop, 100%. right? Like, they just been, been around the block. Right. So whether they have what you want, they may be able to just share some of their experiences versus people on social media. You don't need to be on social media, right? So why are you on social media? Why are you pushing a mastermind program? Why are you, why are you? Uh... I was talking about this at dinner last night and uh, with a group of guys, entrepreneurs. And one thing that I, do, I don't think meets the eye is that I had this career 15 years, really, uh, in re first 15 years in recovery. The first two I was volunteering and the next 13, um, I was doing it professionally in the business where I taught and helped drug addicts and alcoholics find recovery. And it was, it became a business, but it was also a platform in which I was able to help other people. When I sold the company in December of 21, uh, December of uh, 2021, it left this void. I was surrounded by people and I was constantly helping other people, which I love. Mm -hmm. I think altruism and helping other kids, uh, other, you know, other people, yeah. um, is also a large part of a spiritual way of life, right? You want to get to know God, get to know his kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it left this void. And so, you know, a lot of the coaching program that I've started has given me this opportunity to help people again. And so I like it, like it's, you know, it's not free, but I, I definitely don't do it for the money. And the amount that I put into it, I work one-on-one -on -one with every one of those inner circle members. I wanted to talk about that is, yeah. I saw your story the last 24 hours, which is fucking incredible, by the way, dude. Like I, I, I was can... talking my shit over the last 24 yeah, hours. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never get a fucking yacht like me unless you join. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> get on my level. Uh, but well, the point about that was, and for for that anyone was a watching, joke, by the way. <laughs> no, but but the point of talking about levels was like people come to me all the time and they have like a condo and a Rolls Royce and a little bit of money in the bank, like talking like they made it. And I'm like, dog, 
there's levels to this game. You know what I mean? If I don't think that I've made it, yeah, like you shouldn't. We're not done. Yeah, but maybe not. You know, I don't know, but maybe for them. But you're competitive with yourself, mm-hmm. so that's that's really what you're saying is like, fucking, I'll buy your condo and evict you. But right? those are the th- those are the people that I'm talking to. Yeah, right. The people that are hearing what I'm saying are like, fuck, he's right. Everyone else, not everyone's going to agree with me. There are plenty of people that are like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? Exactly. You know? Or they have those things and it's, they're, they're, they're good. But in reality, what you're saying is, at least what I believe is, you got here, which is great. You got some money, you got a rules, you're in Miami, whatever, great. I think the problem is, is you potentially didn't adapt. So you think you're done but you just don't like what you're doing now. So you may need to adapt and start doing some more things that you actually love doing, Yeah. right? So why, because you're so dialed in with systems, processes, your time's super valuable. Why coach people one-on-one? Why, why do you like it? You like it? I do. It's, it's literally that simple because I like it. Because, it, because at certain point when, when you have, like, what am I gonna work for at this point, Tyler? I own a, a fucking mansion in Miami, a mansion in New Hampshire, a yacht, a jet, any car that I want. Like I could go today and buy fucking whatever I want to buy. What am I working for? Like what? So where do you? It's so when you could take that and help other people, and you see them and their life improve, and the light bulb come on in their eyes. And, and watch them kind of come alive and, and you know, get sober and, and you know, do just all the stuff that I've seen happen already through this program. Like, that makes me so much happier than anything else that I could do. And so I like it, you know? Yeah. I like to work with them. I respect that a lot, man. And it makes sense now when you say it is because I was seeing some of your testimonials. They're sharing like, oh, he helped me in three weeks double my business income and put things in place to exit in six months. But the one that really stood out to me was a couple of your testimonials that I text his personal cell phone number and he responds. Yeah. Right. In people reality, get people get bugged out all the time when yeah. they when they opt in on the funnel and I text them. They're like, "This isn't really Eric, is it?" I yeah. Facetimed a kid yesterday. He almost had a heart attack. Damn. He was like, "Come on, this isn't really Eric. It's probably his assistant or someone." I was like, "What's up, bitch?" <laughs> like. <laughs> On FaceTime, he was like, oh my God. Yeah, it's funny. Nah, I do it all myself, dude. And you know, it's it's growing rapidly. It's very, it's been very successful. And so, you know, I'm sure I'll need some help and figure out some systems on how to do that. But but I, I'm committed to continuing to be involved mm-hmm. um, with them as much as possible, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if this is the right answer or not, but like sometimes the systems and processes, you don't need to outsource or automate, delegate things. Sometimes you need to do some manual stuff just because you want to. I, I truly believe in that. Uh, so, and in reality, it's like the kids, right? It's like coming back to the line, every line needing a den. You know that you're a good mentor and a coach and a good leader where they don't need to text you as much, right? It's like when an employee goes and starts a successful business, you're like, that actually usually speaks accolades of the boss yeah, and the and- leader. And people come for different reasons. You know, some of them are, are super intense on how much they want to talk. Mm-hmm. And then other members are here for like the classes, the education and the networking. You know, they want to come to the events. They want to do that. And I'm like, I hit them up. I'm like, yo, you good? What do you got on? Dog, I'm great. 
Cool. What events do you usually have? We do a monthly networking event. So it's actually this week on Thursday, we have uh, 11 a.m. to three with networking on my yacht. And then I host a dinner party right here uh, on Thursday night. And that's kind of a monthly deal that we do. And then I have a quarterly mastermind. And so this April 6th and 7th, you have a fucking crazy lineup. You have Sean Whalen, Wes Watson, Jesse Lee, Dan Fleischman, and myself throwing it down for two days. Nice. Yeah, and small, dude. We're doing it literally. I'm putting it, pulling all this furniture out of here, putting a stage up front, and you know we'll have the whole group right here at my house. And so you're gonna be let's go hand to hand combat with everyone. Let's go. Yeah. You got tickets? You yeah. still got some tickets? Cool. Yeah, I'll be running, here. I mean. Running out soon, but it's, yeah, space is getting tight. How do you schedule out these events and masterminds? Is it like a little free flowing for some, or is it very like tactical in specific areas? Like what, what is yeah, this? We'll put together a good flow and a good structure, Yeah, you know? Yeah. For every one of the speakers, I'll have them, you know, share and, and then um, have a break and then do Q and A, yeah. have some food and, you know, lots of networking too. I want to turn it to back to like the generational wealth stuff and investing. You know, we've been talking a lot about like mindset, personal development. Uh, mastermind program business what do, what are you doing to keep and compound your money what investment classes is it i know you're in real estate i'm but- in real estate heavily um and then putting back into operating companies i just started another addiction treatment business yeah so, that's the one in columbus right that's the first site yeah okay and what's the strategy now moving forward with those businesses that you're putting the gas on the fire here um Grow and scale. Every day is hand-to-hand combat, right? We're doing well. We opened January 1st. We accepted our first patient, admitted our first patient at the facility. And- um, Congrats. You know, thank you. Yeah, there's, I think, 32 patients there today. And so, you know, we're just continuing to build. We we have that program in Columbus, which when all is said and done is 116 bed continuum of care. Um, and we'll probably hit those numbers of capacity within the next six months. We have another program in Mount Vernon, Ohio. We have one in development in Waco, Texas, and another one in Southern New Jersey right now. And so that's really two companies. That's the real estate development side of it because I'm the landlord and I own all the real estate. And then I lease the real estate to the operating company where I also own 100% of the operating company and build the business. Are you self-funded now? Mm -hmm. Okay. What are some financing strategies that you've used on, on the real estate side? and or on the business side? Nothing on the business side. You know, credit I, I, cards? No, <laughs> just joking. No, no debt. Um, I, I built the last business with no debt and, and actually building this one with no debt. Why? Um, because, it, I mean, back then, I, I don't know, I just bootstrapped and got in this, in this motive of, of that's what I was doing. And so I bootstrapped and now, you know, I have enough liquidity that I was able to fund the project myself and I don't need to borrow money. Interest rates are through the roof. Cost of capital is crazy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I haven't done that either. But then on the real estate, I like dealing with a lot of local banks, local commercial banks I find have the best terms. And so if you can get into whatever, you know, whatever region that you're in um, and network with them. Are you looking at something specific in that market when you're choosing to go to Columbus, Ohio? Mount Vernon, Waco, Texas. Are you looking regulatory? Like envi- yeah, regulatory environment, population, um, of course, substance use disorder rates. Making sure you know there's a problem, the need, competitive landscape, um, who are the prominent insurance companies, and you know our ability to work with them. 
some yeah. of the things that we look at, yeah. So real estate, the businesses, if you were someone that, let's say had a million dollars cash, mm-hmm. what would you do with it? And you want to get to that next level? I'd probably take a small piece of it and invest it in myself into masterminds and coaching and courses. Like you have to find an avenue, right? A lot of people say real estate. Okay, well then you go, you take a million dollars and you go buy $3 million worth of real estate, you cash flow it, now what do you do, right? That's it. And so I, I don't know that I, if I had $1 million, if I would go real estate, I would probably um, try to, my best to figure out what the best business opportunity was for me. Mm-hmm. And then I would take the cash and I would, I would use that as the operating capital to start the business and create a high level of cash flow from the business. Do you believe in partnerships? Do you believe in investing alongside other people passively? Um, I, I believe in all that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you passively invest with others or partner with people? Or? I have. It's not not something I'm doing actively now because yeah. a lot of it is just bandwidth too. Like, yeah. if you bring me a deal, I have to stop doing what I'm doing. I got to read the deal. I got to get comfortable with the deal. I might have to go look at the deal. I might have to get to know you better, right? But you know what I mean? And so it's, I'm not, you know, sitting in a family office just waiting for deals, looking for something. Like I'm in the trenches every day. And so time is the most valuable commodity. And so I have, and at times will, um, but I'm also heavily deployed in all of my own stuff at this point. How do you, the reason why I say that is being in uh, Miami, there's no flashy things, there's no shiny objects. <laughs> uh, you're focused as fuck. And I'm just curious after that exit, how you did such a great job not going all in on like crypto or this or that. Like this, how dude, does someone, how does someone gut study the market, study the market cycles and the trends and, and largely gut and intuition. Yeah. I sat there in March of 2021 very early in the year. And I had, mind you, I'd already completed three transactions. I'd sold minority pieces of the business three times. So I had partners. And, but I still owned majority and I had still had decision making. And we had this plan to go grow in other states and do, you know, this aggressive growth plan and blah, blah, blah. And I sat back and I smelt the air and I fucking looked at everyone and I said, we're selling this business. And I pissed everybody off. Like, what are you talking about with selling this business? I'm like, we're at the top of the market. We know we can get a good price for it right now. Mm-hmm. We know we can get a good multiple. This isn't going to last. We're going to market right now. And so I turned around and I hired an investment banker and we took it to market. And that entire process took 10 months. Mm-hmm. And I ended up transacting in December, December 21st of 2021. What's happened since then? Everyone was living large in December. You had guys, you know, fucking crypto, Bitcoin, shitcoin. They're flipping pictures of fucking gorillas and apes and punks. And, you know, and I'm sitting around looking. And I'm in Miami and I'm watching. I'm like, all right, you got people making money off of digital pictures of fucking bored apes and shit like this. And I'm like, this is fucking crazy. And the people are believers, I almost, dude, I actually have a video on my phone from last night. I left Carbone 
and I was on my way home and I was thinking about it and I almost posted it on my story and I was like driving the Cullen and I was like, I just got one question. Where the fuck are y'all at with your NFTs? <laughs> like you don't hear about a fucking NFT anymore. And I told people they were crazy then. Yeah. They're like NFT this, NFT that. And so I just had this gut instinct. And so then I sold the business, I got all the cash and I had all these money. Dude, when you sell a business, you have a liquidity event, you have everyone, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, uh, Brown Brothers Harriman, uh, uh, et cetera. All the Merrill Lynch, all the private wealth banks, right? All the big boys, they want time and they want presentations and they want you to put your money with them and they want to invest your money. So I sat back through like, I don't know, maybe 10 presentations from all this UBH, all these ultra sophisticated, top of the top private wealth bankers, right? Yeah. And Eric, we have to get your money to work and we got to get it in, in the stock market and funds and mutual and, and you know, uh, municipal bonds and this, that, the other thing. And here's our asset allocation strategy and we're going to grow over time and they have these fucking charts and you're going to enter here and we're going to end up up here and and it's it's all going to be great and i just sat back and listened to all of them and went i'm staying in cash mm. they're like what mm. i'm staying in cash you're wrong you're crazy bro the, the stock market shortly thereafter we get into 2022 and what happened during 2022 the stock market melts the bottom drops out on crypto, NFTs just disappear. I don't even know. Like, do people still own apes? Like, what are y'all doing with them? Did you print them out and use them as fucking coasters on your coffee table? Like, where is all this stuff? You know what I mean? And I watched all of it happen, sitting on a fucking pile of cash going, what now, bitch? What now? You know what happened in the M&A market? Multiples came down. Interest rates start to come up, economic uncertainty creeps in, less people are buying businesses, and the cost of money, because you gotta understand how private equity works, they use money from their fund, but they also leverage the business with debt. And so it's the sources and uses of where the money comes from, from the transaction. And so they're, the, the, the amount that they're able to leverage, they're, they're able to go three, three and a half times EBITDA on debt, and now they're pulling back to one and a half, two, and it costs more. And so what happens through the changing market fucking on anyone that's trying to sell a business where you are getting high multiples of your EBITDA on your exit, which is where I sold that, yep. now those multiples come down. Mm. And so I was out at the perfect time yep. and the cash that came out in the transaction, I stayed in cash, you know, and 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 I just looked at everyone. I said, I don't, I don't see any, I think we're at the top. I think we're at the top. No, I'm not putting my money in. We're at the top. And it's having the courage and the balls to look at people and go, I, I don't feel it. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't know. These fucking smart fucking money guys, you know, and they follow like, like sheep. And, um, and so for me, it was just gut and intuition. One thing I always think about a lot is there's no crystal ball. We don't know necessarily exactly where we're at at any given time in a market cycle. Yeah, sure, we can say there's a probability we're closer towards the bottom and or closer to the top. I think one core principle I've discovered, and essentially I think this is what you said, is how accessible is money? And what's the cost of money? If you sold the business right now, you would have profited maybe what, one third? Do you think you would have sold it for one third, maybe half? Maybe, I can't call it, I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't have been the premium that I sold it for. Sure. 
So whether and it wouldn't have been as competitive a process. Right? Yeah, you wouldn't have options. You wouldn't be able to, totally. you know, pen pen deals against each other. But that's one thing I kind of think about a lot is, is it easier or harder to get money from people, a bank? Well, go 100%. talk to a bank. Is it higher debt that they're going to give you? They're going to give you 65% loan to value or 85 That's right. at one interest rate, not rocket science. But one thing you said is, the gut intuition, right? Like the innate knowledge of what we feel. Were you looking at those 10 presentations? Like which motherfucker here has this much cash himself? So why are you here to tell me what to do? Yeah, I mean, in a certain sense, yeah. But I, I, I believe that they're smart people and they certainly know a lot and they're subject matter experts. But I also look at alignment. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, you guys make money when I spend my money and buy products and you like literally how you make money is on fees. And so if my money doesn't move, you don't make money. So do you have my best interest in mind? You know, it's like anything else in the market and with those guys, like I, if you're in a fight, I can't tell you what you're going to do next, but I could sure as fuck read your body language and try to predict what you're going to do next. What punch are you going to throw? How are you going to move? You know what I mean? And so just constantly watching and squaring off and reading the body language yeah. of deals and of the market and, and trying to anticipate the next move and anticipate you know what you're going to have to counter and, and how you're going to have to handle it. Where are we at right now in the market in early 2023? And where do you think things are going the next couple of years? Are we... That's what the guy yesterday, who's probably a billionaire, right? And um, again, another mentor I've had for a long time. I, I, he would never tell me. He would never tell anyone. I'm sure we won't know until he dies. But you know, he. Uh, you got it from NFTs. He, yeah, yeah. He fucking made it big on on board apes. Um, he has been in the real estate game for 45 years. He's 67 years old, and. He's also, this guy owns a couple hundred of the most popular coffee franchises, a couple hundred of the most popular pizza franchises, a couple hundred of the most popular fitness gym franchises, thousands of apartments, fucking probably 5 million square feet of commercial real estate amongst a host of other businesses and investments. I mean, it's the real deal. And he said, Eric, I'm very scared for what's going to happen because I've never seen a time where interest rates are coming up like they're coming up and inflation is moving as well. How are you going to deploy every weapon that you have and it doesn't work? You know, he goes, how does this, how does this play out? And so I think that from a recession, like everyone's talking about we're in a recession, we're in a recession. I think that everyone intuitively knows that, you know, and on paper we've had slowed down, you know, and negative economic growth for sure. And that, that defines a depression. I mean, a recession, excuse me. But I think intuitively everyone knows this has to get bad. And so, you know, we're here in Miami in 2009, they had thousands and thousands and thousands of condos for sale for pennies on the dollar here. Like people were losing their homes. You would drive into neighborhoods and every other house would be for sale because it was foreclosed upon. Mm-hmm. Mass layoffs. People, people. Um, these are the things that are different then than now, right? Now it's hard to rent an apartment, right? Still. Yeah. Now, if you want a job, generally, you can go out, walk out your front door and find a job. 
Like every business is strapped for human capital. There's more jobs than there are people for the most part, quality ones. And so I think those things change at some point, right? So he's, he's thinking a pretty big downturn. He's, he, his words were that it could be the biggest one that we've seen yet. But would one argue that I refer to it as like the new digital economy? You know, business is different, bro. Like you can rip millions online. You couldn't do that 60 years ago, right? But, so with AI, uh, I'm gonna interrupt a little bit, sorry. Yeah, no, go. You know, AI technology, uh, social media, being able to work from home, have Zoom meetings, be able to do, I mean, I, I also would argue that as well. I'd be like, there's a whole other industry, the new digital economy that could potentially offset the old dinosaur stuff, right? Or no, I don't know. What are your thoughts it, on that? I think that that the digital economy in today's world is, is the definition of capitalism. And it's the definition of haves and have-nots. And I think it accelerates the evaporation of the middle class. Because if you can figure it out, if you're an apex predator, if you're a smart cat, you can get on there and you can make millions of dollars off a fucking iPhone. Not everyone can do that. Yeah. Not everyone can do that. And so it sucks the money to the top and it, it really pulls out this separation of classes. And so I think that for me, you, and the rest of our friends, we'll be fine. Um, but for general Americans, for people in Ohio, in the, wearing, yo, work boots, yo, yo, wearing work boots every day, yeah. getting up and, and, and getting out the front door to go to their, their job and all of that. And, you know, that's the top of their, you know, you go talk to a lot of those working folks in both of our home states, Ohio and New Hampshire, and try to explain to them that they can make millions of dollars on the internet or an iPhone. And you might as well be speaking Mandarin Chinese to them. Well, we probably will be soon. So yeah. might as well uh, get an early head start. Yeah. No, I hear so you. It's not for everybody, you know? Yeah, but it can be. I think, you know, I think it definitely can be. I think it's a few things. One, you don't even have a valuable skill set. So you're fucked anyway in a good and or a bad market. In a good market, you just got covered up by not having a skill set because it's very hard to lose in a good market, right? But when the economy changes and the United States is going through what seems to be and feels like this weird revolution politically, uh, economically with currency and fiat currency, and now we're starting to see like a global, or at least what I believe is like a global shift, right? I think it comes down to being recession proof, mm -hmm. right? I think it comes down to be recession proof and, and you've done just that, man. You've done just that, which what does recession proof mean? In my personal opinion, it's having a skill set that you can monetize in any market, right? And if anything, it actually gets even more valuable in a downturn. And so you have a choice if you're watching this and listening to this podcast, time's ticking, right? Who knows, maybe we're wrong, maybe we see you know, it recover and they print more money off and blah, blah, blah. That's the other piece. We don't really know. Exactly. You know? And, I, and I'm honestly, I see both sides, but I'm I'm kind of in the middle. And, and honestly, I think it's very good to be aware to be like, okay, what's the probability of crypto and or stocks being closer towards the bottom versus the top, right? And it's pretty obvious it's probably closer towards the bottom. 
so operate accordingly. But in reality, it's how do you produce the highest income from, from your time, right? And so I want to ask you a, a last question here is, what is one thing that you need to do more of and or one thing that you need to do less of to ensure that you're not doing all of this for nothing? What is one thing I need to do more of? Um, it's, it's help people, right? Um, for me, it's about legacy. I, I often think about, not to sound morbid, but I think about what my funeral looks like mm. and what fucking matters then. And I also think about one more thing that is, there's gonna come a day for all of us that we're out of time. Mm. What matters then? And so for me, it's, it's impact. It's people are gonna remember what I did for them. They're gonna remember how I helped them. They're gonna remember how I made them feel. They're not gonna care that I had a boat in Miami. You know what I mean? They're not gonna remember that. Um, and so that's certainly what I need to do more of. Um, what I need to do less of, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very optimized at this point. I don't know that, I, I feel like I've removed almost everything that I need to remove from my life. I mean, I'm pretty stripped down. I, I go to bed early, I wake up early, I don't eat carbohydrates, I don't drink, I don't drug, I don't do nicotine. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't have a lot left to give up, Tyler. I'm yeah. gonna be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, bro, I see you eating like fucking ground beef with ground turkey, baby, 1%, oh, yeah. There we go. Are you, you, you cook it and everything, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, it's, uh, why? Performance, fuel. Why know? don't you have a chef? Well, I'll need one, it's easy, yeah. I love it. Bro, well, this was fun, man. Damn it. It was nice Thank to uh, get to know you a little bit more and oh, appreciate yeah. you taking appreciate the time, it. brother. Dope, cool.